the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In addition to taking care of one another inside the church, what if we developed a lifestyle of taking care of the most needy outside the walls of the church? How would that change the community and our city? Bob Moffat, president and founder of Harvest Foundation in Phoenix, along with Pastor Julian Gibb, talk with pastors and leaders about how sacrificial love by those in the church to those in need outside the church has helped people see and embrace Jesus Christ. It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories. Well, whatever time it is that you're listening, whether you're listening at the radio on Monday at 530 uh, in the afternoon, or you're listening to the podcast or watching uh, the broadcast over the Harvest website, I want to welcome you to this version of The Kingdom and Its Stories. Stories are one of the most important ways that Jesus communicated to his audience. And um, and so we're glad to have with us today David Drum, uh, who is um, has stories to tell. And David, uh, welcome uh, to the Kingdom and its Stories. It's great to have you today as a guest. Thank you so much. I'm excited about our time together. David, um, I understand... From a little mouse, I think, that told me that uh, that you have a passion for to see unity in the body of Christ. Is that right? That is no. Why? (laughs) That is 100% accurate. Um, That is, um, I'm convinced the reason that God put me on this earth was to see Jesus, John 17, prayer answered Mm. to whatever extent I have any influence. I lead a ministry called J17 Ministries, and our purpose is uniting the body of Christ for a divided world. And so um, this has been a passion of mine for as long as I can remember. Well, uh, David, um, how did you come to that passion? I mean, you were, I don't think you were born with it. Now, maybe you were without being conscious of it, but, uh, but how, did, how did that come to you? How did God reveal that to you? Well, when I was in high school, my dad was on staff at a Baptist church, and my mom was on staff at a Lutheran church. (laughs) So um, my desire for Christian unity um, (laughs) runs pretty deep. Um, It goes back to the dinner table still um, as a child. Oh, did you have lots of of controversy at the dinner table in terms of the division between the Baptists and and the Lutherans? Oh, we had controversy over all kinds of things. That was just one flavor of it. So, yeah, okay. Yes. All right. Yeah. That sounds like my house when it comes to politics. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, okay. Uh, so you grew up in a family that came from two um, Protestant traditions Yep. And I'm assuming there were discussions between those two traditions at the dinner table. 
There were. And so why was it that you were interested in unity? What was it about those discussions that brought you to a consciousness of unity? Well, of course, this was long before I was uh, familiar with John 17, the prayer. Um, but I, I think I just somehow innately knew that um, can't, can't we all just get along? Um, <laughs> there, there, uh, there's, there's something beautiful about unity, and there's something not so beautiful about division and conflict. And um, so I learned right. that pretty early, and um, it's been a passion of mine um, ever since. My wife says I've turned my mess into my message. Okay, so, good, um, good. Yeah. So, so what does J17 do, and how does it work? And how, how does that encourage churches to come to unity? And another question, what kind of unity? Are we talking about theological unity or another kind of unity? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, so what J17 Ministries does is it provides a variety of resources, um, books and videos, as well as programs um, that bring people together. So um, the kind of unity that Jesus prayed for was a love for one another. I think that if he had um, intended for doctrinal purity to be the main thing, that's what he would have prayed about. And it's mm -hmm. not that doctrine doesn't matter, because right in the prayer for unity in verse 17, Jesus prays that we would be sanctified in the truth. And then he says, your word is truth. So All right. he's he's not opposed to truth. Um, it's a unity that's grounded in truth. But ultimately, what the world is supposed to see is our love for one another. So it's a relational unity that lives itself out in very different parts of the body of Christ, coming alongside, serving with one another, um, and, um, and serving the world the way that Jesus did. So, so David, how, yeah. how does, how does, um, how does that, how does that unity happen? If it doesn't happen by, by, ideological agreement. Yeah. Well, I think um, a lot of it happens by praying with one another. So one of the key programs that we do is prayer summits. We do prayer summits for pastors, for ministry leaders, for Christian business leaders. Um, we do a variety of different prayer summits that gather people together. And uh, I remember so well from our first prayer summit back in 2009, um, I was convinced that, and I wasn't leading it, um, I was convinced that as soon as the pastors started introducing themselves to each other, there was going to be conflict, because it was going to be all about, you know, how big my church is, and how many people come, and all this kind right. of stuff, and uh, the facilitator was very wise, he never did have us um, introduce ourselves to each other, not once in the whole three-day prayer summit hmm. did, we, did we go around the room and introduce ourselves. He said, take a favorite scripture of yours and pray it for the group. Mm -hmm. And wow. when we did that, what we discovered is that we were all on the same page. We were going to have different flavors and different ways that we get there, but we're all passionate about the same things. And so I think prayer is a key um, 
place where unity begins to happen. And uh, there isn't enough time to go into this, but I actually believe that John 17, there's a four-part pattern in John 17 that's how unity comes to be. And so when we practice what John 17 actually talks about, um, unity happens. And the first part of it is by lifting up Jesus. Um, The first petition in John 17 is um, that the Son would be glorified. And so that's what we pray as well. We pray that the Son would be lifted up, Jesus would be glorified. And when that happens, okay, so prayer to himself. All right, so prayer then is one of the principles that you believe and your ministry believes produces unity. What are some of the other principles, the other actions that uh, that lead to unity? Well, um, one is a, an understanding of what unity is. What when Jesus prayed, he said, "May they be one, as you, Father, and I are one." Okay. Well, the Father was spirit; the Son was flesh. Um, the Father was limitless in time and knowledge and space. The son at the time that he was praying that was limited in all of those areas by his choice, by becoming human. And so it lets us know that unity is not uniformity. We we don't have to all look the same. In fact, Jesus doesn't want us all looking the same. He doesn't want us all alike. He wants us all aligned. Okay. And so um, if we understand what that looks like, it sets us free to um, to be our part of the body without feeling a need to conform to another part of the body. Okay. And then I think one of the ways that that gets lived out is through service. There are so many different ways that the body of Christ is called to serve, and no one part of the body can do all of them, but all the parts of the body can, collectively can do all of them. Right, it's really so we have to come alongside each other. Right, it's really interesting to me that when Paul describes, I think, the primary mission of the church in, in um, I think it's um, Ephesians 4, 12, and 13, yep. um, where, where he says that the, the purpose is to equip God's people to serve. Yes. And, and Paul implied, well, he doesn't imply, he directly states that that there are three consequences of serving together. And one of them is unity. Correct. And, and another one is maturity. Yeah, exactly. Which grows right. not, out of not, the unity. Not maturity through theological agreement or, or um, intellectual processes, but, but unity because we have served together. Yes. And yeah, I, I, I love that. What are some stories? that illustrate what your ministry and the emphasis on unity has done in churches that you have, God has allowed you to work with? Well, I have been working for Citywide Unity now full-time for 10 years. It's been my full-time job for the last decade. I was a pastor prior to that, and I was working with an organization called For Tucson. I was their church domain director, And so I worked alongside an education domain director, and we encouraged churches to come alongside public schools and say, how can we help? And when that's the question, and when the school becomes convinced that what we really mean is how can we help, 
we don't have some ulterior motive. It's not right. so that we can tell them how they ought to change what they're doing. It's really just, we all love kids and we recognize that schools are almost always under-resourced. So what do you need that we can help with? And, um, but at the peak of our work, we had over 80% of the public schools in the county where I live, Tucson, Pima County, um, over 80% of the public schools had been adopted by a local church, at least one. What percentage? 80, eight zero. <laughs> in, in the city of Tucson? Correct. How many yeah. schools are there? About 200, and we had 160 adoptions. Um, so Wow. Yeah. So um, it, uh, it was remarkable, some of the things that happened because of that. Um, the school districts became so impressed with um, the fact, and again, I think part of the power was because it was the whole body of Christ. It was African-American churches. It was Latino churches. It was Anglo churches. It was large churches, denominational churches, small churches, non-denominational. It was all of us working together. Were, 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 there, were there even Baptist and Lutheran churches? There that? were. Praise <laughs> the Lord. And uh, yeah. we even worked together. It was remarkable. So we had um, school districts offering pastor appreciation breakfasts and lunches um, because they were so impressed with the service that was being provided by the body of Christ. Amen. It was remarkable. Let, let, let me just inter, uh, inter, interject here. Uh, yeah. For those of you who are listening, you're listening to the Kingdom and His Stories and we have uh, David Dunn with us here, who is working for Church Unity, primarily at least starting a ministry in Tucson, which has now gone beyond that. And David is telling some stories of the impact of bringing the Church of Jesus Christ together to reach needs in the community. So, David, go ahead. Well, one of my favorite stories, um, one of the largest school districts in our city and the most dysfunctional, um, we started meeting monthly with their program directors um, okay. at the district level. Right. And, and at that very first meeting, there was a woman there whose body language was just screaming that she she was her skin was crawling that us Christians were in the room. She was not subtle about it in the least. It's like, how soon can we get you out of here? And uh, um, so uh, I think it was the second meeting. She uh, she I know it was a test. She said, OK, well, I've got one for you. She worked in the area of dropout prevention for the district. Right. And so she said, I've got one for you. We've got a family that has 10 kids. The father's in prison. The mom ought to be in prison. Um, they don't have enough to eat. They don't have transportation um, needs. They, they need everything. So what can you do for them? And so my, my friend said, well, let me get some churches to come alongside and adopt that family, and we'll see what we can do. And so um, after a couple of months, there was such a huge impact for this family that she was kind of blown away. So um, fast forward to the last meeting of that first school year. And um, so it's like nine months later. And she says to us, you know, our job around here is so hard. Every time we ask for something, um, the answer is always no. But when we ask you and the churches, the answer is always yes. Wow. I don't understand that. Wow. 
And then she said, the best day of the month is the day that you Christians show up. And now this is the lady who Same lady. You, you could feel wanted you to get out of there. Correct. So move to year two. And yeah. um, she knows, of course, that we're Christian. She referred to us as you Christians. Yeah. Um, so we were unapologetic. Um, and I think that's part of what unity means. It's centered in the truth of who Jesus is. So right. we never apologized for the fact that we were representing the body of Christ, Christian churches. So we, in our trainings, we would start with prayer and worship. And um, so um, she starts showing up to our trainings. And they're very, very Christian. <laughs> no, wait, wait a minute. This is, this is the lady who didn't want to have anything to do with you guys? That's correct. So she comes to one of our half-day trainings, and at the end of the meeting, she comes forward. And it, this is going to sound like it's made up, but as God is my witness, this is exactly what happened. I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> she, uh, she had tears streaming down her face, and uh, she said, I need to talk to you, too. And we said, of course. And um, what what can we help with? What's the problem? And she said, well, um, I don't even know how to describe it. She's a very sharp woman. But she said, I don't have words for it. The best I can say is, it's like I have this hole in my heart. Those were her <laughs> words. And she said, when I'm around you Christians, it gets filled up. But my problem is, I don't know how to sustain that. Can you help wow. me? <laughs> wow. So wow. my uh, my colleague um, takes her out to lunch and shares the gospel with her. Um, her life is radically transformed. She ended up retiring from that school district. She moved to the Bay Area and started church school partnerships in the Bay Area. <laughs> this is wow. the same person. Wow. So um, I, I think the factors involved were unconditional service from a unified body. Wow. Um, yes. I think those two things together made such an impact on her that it completely changed her life. You know, that, that, that is testimony to what I believe Jesus called us to do. He didn't call us to make converts. He called us to be witnesses. Yes. And by being witnesses, in the demonstration of who he's called us to be, which is servants. Yep. That is the, one of the most powerful, I believe, ways for genuine evangelism and conversion to take place. Amen. And it's not because we go preaching or handing out tracts. It's because we are who Jesus called us to be. He called us to be servants, and with your emphasis, to be servants together, to be yes. unified. Yep. That, that's a powerful story. You want another one? Yeah, please. <laughs> I've got lots. Um, okay. So there's lots of stories I could tell on the church co-partnerships, but one of my other favorite stories came a few years later. So we'd been doing this for a while. And by this point, we were probably pushing that 80 percentile mark of the schools in our city um, being adopted by a local church. And so I get a call one day, um, and it's from the director of the uh, county um, Department of Child Safety. It used to be called Child Protective Services. And um, so this is the, the, the program director at a county level 
for okay. the government program protecting children, Department of Child Safety as well. Not a Christian program, not a religious program, a state program. It's a state, it's the government, yeah. Right. And so here's exactly what she said. She said, we've heard how your churches have adopted schools. So we want to know, would you consider adopting us too? Um, And so this is now the Department of Child Safety asking the Christian church, would you come alongside us and help us in our mission to minister to broken families? And um, so that started a program called Care Portal that's now all across the state of Arizona. It started in Pima County. And um, Department of Child Safety caseworkers will go into a home, they'll discover a need, they'll come back to their computer, they'll enter it into their computer, it gets sent out to churches who have agreed to receive these messages, and the church is invited by the government to serve broken families right in the neighborhood of our, of our church, and the invitation is coming from the government. And the government is absolutely thrilled with the results of this partnership. Wow. When, uh, what, when what it's called what? care portal. Okay. Yeah. And uh, when it started, their hope was that maybe 50% of the requests would be able to be met by the church. The last statistic I heard, and we're at the five year mark now in Pima County is 77% of the requests are being met. And the approval rating is 100% from DCS case. Oh, David, 100%. That's amazing. It's, it's remarkable. And again, it's, uh, you, I could have sat down and um, planned for decades, and I never could have reached that kind of impact. But it's united, the, it's the church coming together in unity across all of its different flavors right. and serving unconditionally, and it's making a massive, massive impact. But what a, what, what a difference in approach to the traditional thinking that, okay, we need to go speak to the government and tell them what they're not doing right and what they yep. need to be doing right. And instead going to them and saying, how can we serve you? Yep. And then having the results of that service be so positive that they come to you, or in this case, that they come to the church yep. and they say, can you help us with this need? Yeah. I can't think of a better way to gain credibility with our government leaders. Yep. Well, Tucson, even more than Phoenix, is a vastly underchurched city. Um, we always rank in the bottom 10 of large metro areas in the nation in terms of how unchurched we are. Right. And so, um, unless the church changes the narrative, um, we're, we're just going to be either persecuted or just ignored. As a Can non-factor, change, in the, change the narrative from what to what. So instead of um, there's a book by David Kinnaman called Unchristian, and through uh, David Kinnaman works with the Barna Group, and so um, in their surveys they discovered that the top two word associations 
um, for Christian was judgmental. I don't remember what the other one was, but it was like judgmental. Oh, really? And, yeah, that's <laughs> that's the number one word association right. with it with evangelical Christian. So we need to change the narrative so that what they oh Christians those are the ones that adopted our school and that are serving so unconditionally. Those are the ones that say yes when we come to them with needs. Those are the ones that would be willing to help us in our, in places where we don't have the resources. That's right. a much better narrative than judgmental. Amen. Yeah. yeah. Dude, we've got people listening who don't have an opportunity to be connected to your group. Right. What would you say to them? We only have a minute left. What would yep. you say to them to encourage them to become involved somehow in this kind of relational ministry? Well, um, my website is j17ministries.org, j17, j17ministries.org. And if you go there and send me a message, I'll send you the documents that we have on church school partnerships. Anybody that's interested, I'll send them to. Anybody can do this. We've got training materials that we've developed, and Care Portal already exists. So those are two low-hanging fruit, easy ways for the church to serve in areas that the, the, the government is requesting. Amen. David, thank you so much for being with us on The Kingdom and Its Stories. May God bless you, and may he help each of us become more and more the hands and feet of Jesus. Thank you, David. Amen. Thank you. Jesus defines discipleship as come and follow me. Next Monday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy and beginning to see real change in their communities. If you have a personal example of how you are being the hands and feet of Jesus with your neighbors, we'd love to hear from you. Enter your story at harvestfoundation.org. That's harvestfoundation.org on the Contact Us tab. You can also subscribe to the podcast on The Kingdom and Its Stories on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.